0: Play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. Come on, Lenny. Pump it in there, baby. Just keep trickulating the ball down the field, boys. But they are who we thought they were.
1: We're in week three of a seven-week series called Coaching the Next Step, and uh, it'll become more clear through our series why that's the title uh, for this series, but we've talked about our new mission and vision here at Greenville Oaks, which is continuing on the legacy that we've had here for quite a while. Last week, we talked about the values that we want to carry forward from uh, the past to our present, but our mission here at Greenville Oaks is to inspire people to follow Jesus, we have a motivation for that because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. And that's the mission that so many churches have is is to do just that. But here at Greenville Oaks, we have this vision of what we see in the years ahead, that we will mentor thousands to trade the pursuit of artificial success and artificial things for the abundant life in Jesus Christ. And so many of us are in the middle of that trade. All of our lives are in a a journey of moving from artificial things to Jesus Christ and finding significance and abundance in Him. And as we do that, we want to equip you all to be the kind of leaders and mentors and coaches and disciples that can help others on the same steps in that journey that we have been down ourselves. So uh, today I want to share with you uh, five values that are going to be values that we're going to lean more and more into in these days ahead. That align with the mission and vision uh, that we're excited about continuing to share with you. Uh, And those five values are this. The first is love first. Number two is combat isolation. And then equip families. We've talked about this last week actually. It was one of the values that we're carrying forward from our past that we want to continue to lean into. We want to equip families. We want to demonstrate selflessness and to celebrate transformation. So take a look at that list And uh, there's some things we're going to try to name and talk about over these next three weeks in particular. to Talk about each of these values. And today we're going to focus on the bookends of those values. The first and the fifth. Love first and celebrate transformation. Uh, And so let's pray as we get into uh, leaning into and and discovering these values as a church family. God, we thank you for the way that you have loved us. The way that you have shown us what true love is actually is. You're a God of steadfast love. That's been true through the generations. And God, we trust that'll continue into the future for these generations that were just on stage, that we want them to understand your love. It's one of the first songs that many of us learned was that Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And God, we open your word again to discover the truth of that. And we also seek your transformation because we want to celebrate that we don't stay the same when we come into the presence and activity of Jesus in your spirit. So this morning, I pray you would pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Well, value number one, love first. We desire to be a love first church. And the reason that this is our first value is because we clearly are stating that we're trying to live in tune with who Jesus is and what he taught us to be and do. Uh, Jesus prioritized love in his teaching, in his example, in his life. And love is not easy to always live out. But if our mission is to inspire people to follow Jesus, because his way is the best way of life, that means we have to lean into the same values of Jesus. And Jesus certainly lived a love-first lifestyle. Jesus loved everyone he came in contact with. That was true of his disciples, the 12 that spent so much time with him. That was true of the crowds that followed him and obeyed his teaching. It was also true of people like the rich young ruler who came in contact with Jesus but actually walked away from the move toward the abundant life in that example. He even loved those who crucified Him that day when He died on the cross. It's a remarkable lifestyle of love. It's really hard to preach a message of love if you're not living out a lifestyle of love. That's how so many of us, that the outside world would say that those Christians, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Because they proclaim love with their lips, but we don't always experience love from them. It, It would be a really hard thing to put that as your core message if you didn't live into it. And Jesus did that so well and perfectly. In fact, love, I believe, was the compelling force of Jesus' life. And we see that in a book uh, called Romans in the New Testament. Paul, uh, we're actually going to be moving through a lot of Scripture this morning in the Gospels, so feel free to open your Bibles or uh, your phones, or if you want to go on the Version app, uh, there's a place that you can uh, go there on the More tab on the bottom right, and then Events. Uh, Green Blokes should be at the top of that page, and you can follow the slides and Scriptures there as well. We'll also have them on the screen. But in, in the book of Romans, Paul is writing to this church at Rome. And he talks, uh, talking about why did Jesus come? Why did God send Jesus into the world? And it's clear why that happened. This is Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus taught us that love was the central way of life. This is how God actually demonstrated his love most clearly, was sending Jesus into the world, Uh, To be willing to give up, sacrifice his life on our behalf. Jesus also taught that this command of love was the central command, the new command that he was giving to his followers. This is in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Listen to the words of Jesus. A new command I give you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Listen to verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How do we determine if someone's a follower of Jesus? The fruit of our life is love when we follow Jesus. This is how people will know that you're the people that are in the generations beyond Jesus living on earth. When we are loving others, we are exemplifying the fruit of what God has called us to be in our lives. So when Jesus... Teaches. He teaches about love. And when Jesus was asked the greatest commandment in the entire law, in the Hebrew Scriptures, he points to the same reality. This is in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 22. Listen to Jesus' response to someone that was trying to catch him uh, in this situation. This is Matthew 22, verse 35. There's an expert in the law that asked this question. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus came and God demonstrated his love, love through Jesus dying on the cross. The new command that Jesus lo- get, has given us is to love one another. That's how they'll know you're my disciples and followers. And when given the greatest commandment in the law, it is love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Again, I'm running through kind of several gospel places because it shows up again and again. I could, I could be here all day pointing this out. But in Luke chapter 10, there's another passage that I want to point us to. Luke 10 He's challenged by one, another expert in the law in this scene. And that expert in the law wants to know, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Again, these are core building block questions, questions that many of us ask and wonder ourselves. And Jesus directs his attention to the Bible, actually to the Ten Commandments. He says, have you done these things? And the expert in the law says, yeah, I've done these things. Listen to what the expert says in response to, to Jesus' conversation with him. This is in Luke 10, verse 27. Again, Jesus asked, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we know that that's the right answer because we've just read the other passage where Jesus sums up the law that way, right? So this guy gets it right. Listen to what Jesus says right after that because you can know what's right, but Jesus tries to convince him of something else. He says, you've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this And you'll live. You've answered correctly. The Greek word that's translated there as correctly is the word orthos. Or think about orthopedic, right? Something that is correct in line as it should be. It's orthodox. The expert has given the only correct answer. But then Jesus says, You've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. Now, we're talking here at Greenville Oaks about how do we draw people to the abundant life that's in Jesus. Well, Jesus says, look, if you want to live, if you want to really live, (laughs) this is what you'll do. You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. Do this and you'll find the way to life. If you want eternal life, you must get this right. If your love is not orthodox, then you lose out on eternal life. If you choose not to love, you'll never find the abundant life. It's ours in Jesus Christ. Love must come first. Or well, I think we're all heretics no matter how right we align all the right beliefs. This has to be the disposition, the fruit that comes. Well, we're not a disciple of Jesus. And I could teach you the New Testament over and over again all day long about how this theme comes up again and again. God is love. The fruit of the Spirit, the first one is love, right? Why did God give His Son Jesus To us on planet earth, John 3.16 says it clearly, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And thankfully, God didn't expect and wait for us to become perfect in order to send Jesus into the world, right? And we get to live gratefully after the time where Jesus has done this. Before we were even in our mother's womb, we were already given this love and this gift of salvation that was available to all through the love of God. The God we serve showed us love, And then called us to do the same for others. Love is the reason that people were so drawn to Jesus. And I think it's a lack of love that's the reason some people are repelled from the church. See, Jesus had this magnetic force to him. He drew individuals to him from every phase of life, from searching Pharisees to fishermen to tax collectors to peasants and zealots, sex workers and Roman centurions. People from every segment of life were welcomed by Jesus. They wanted to be around Him. They wanted to see what He was going to do next. Think about it, just the different scenarios, right? When there's a woman who's caught in the uh, act of adultery, the others want to stone her, but what does Jesus do? Jesus loves that woman. He sees that woman for who she is. He protects that woman's life. When He met a chief tax collector who was despised and rejected by others, ignored, He loved Zacchaeus enough to call him down from the tree and to go to his house and to call him into a greater life when he met the Samaritan woman by the well. He loved her even though she wasn't a Jew like Jesus. This is the consistent example that Jesus put forth in his life. And if we make a a consistent example as a church to love first, people will be drawn to the Jesus that we worship as well. In fact, this is what drew us to Jesus in the first place, wasn't it? Ultimately, there was this sense of, does anyone love me? And someone came along somewhere along the way and loved you enough to tell you the message of Jesus Christ. Could have been a grandparent, could have been a parent, could have been a sibling or a friend or somebody that invited you to church for the first time or gave you your first Bible. What they were trying to do was to pass on the love of God that was already ours in Jesus Christ. God made the first move to love us first. And our response is to, to reflect that love to everyone in, we encounter. Now, all of us have been in the place of trying to share the love of God with others, but first we've been in the place of realizing that we're sinners, that we have made mistakes, that we're not as we should be. Our relationship is not right with God. All of us have been in a place where we've had secret sins that we've lived into. We've had secret vices, perhaps, or addictions, or, or maybe it's been the, the breaking of a relationship that was really important to us. If you've ever had a secret that you weren't sure you could tell. If you've ever been abused and wondered who it was that you could tell in a safe way. If you've ever doubted in God and struggled to know if someone would love you through the reality of that doubt. If you've ever struggled in your marriage or been divorced and wondered if there were Christians out there who might still receive you into a church. If you've ever questioned your sexuality and wondered who you could tell. If you've ever had a spouse cheat or you've done the cheating yourself and wondered who you could possibly confide in, if you've been in any of those situations, you understand that when you're in that moment, when you have this darkness or this secret or this pain in your life, you need someone that you can trust to share the truth of what that is, whether that's a doubt about God, whether that's a doubt about your position with God, whether it's a question of who you are deep down. In all those places, what we do is we're searching for people who who we can tell the truth of our lives to, that we can be fully known, all of it in our lives, and still be fully loved in the midst of that. And and if you've ever been in one of those dark places, you know that every conversation you have in those moments, you're judging through the lens of, who could I possibly tell about this? Can I actually share the truth of what's going on in my life? Will I be allowed to stay in church if this is reality? Will people reject me? Will they condemn me? Will I be received? And so many of us have had bad experiences because we trusted the wrong person. Or we entered in a place we weren't received in that moment. Every joke that's told tells you who the safe people are and who they're not. Every, every rude comment, every Facebook post, all of these things, everything we do communicates to people, are you a safe person or are you not? And if you've been in one of those places, you can rank people on a scale from one to ten, one being the person you would never tell the reality of your life to, and ten being the person that you would go to if you really had the courage to step out and speak the truth. A love first church realizes that scale. It realizes that our words matter, realizes that our actions matter, that when people are in their lowest place, what they don't need is rejection and be told how wrong things are. What they need to be told is you are received and you are loved and you are welcomed here as we try to figure out the next steps to the abundant life with you. We want to be that kind of church, the kind of church that receives people where they are, that loves them well, that lets them know this is the safest possible place you could come to sort through this. And We're not there yet, church. Some of you have had your own painful experiences even inside these doors. But we are committed to being more of a church that does that in better ways in the days ahead. Because we all need that for ourselves. We all need it deeply. Jesus was the kind of person that people knew they were safe to tell. Jesus was the kind of person who demonstrated the love to say, whatever you bring to me, I can receive that, I can accept that, and I can walk forward with you without concern. Everyone knew that love first was his first value. When people entered these doors, they need to know they'll be loved. When people enter these doors, they need to feel like this is the safest place they could imagine appearing. When people enter these doors, they need to know that perfection is not the prerequisite to being allowed here. We want to be a love first church. And here's the truth. Jesus accepted people where they were and he loved them. And it's also true that Jesus refused to leave people where he found them. And that's the second value we want to focus on today. That's the bookend. That is, we want to be a church that celebrates transformation. Celebrates transformation. When Jesus met people, he loved them. He received them where they were. And he invited them forward, whatever their next step was forward, to health, to abundance, to stepping out of habits that are painful and into things that are better. And everyone in this room can raise our hand and say, we've got places to grow, can't we? We have things in our life that are not as we want them to be. We're not living the life in the fullness of the Spirit that we long to live. And it doesn't matter how long you've been trying at this, we've all got a next step. God is so gracious in our lives about this. Because when I had some really big stuff in my life, I thought, God, if you could just cleanse me of this, if you can break this habit in my life, then I'll finally be right with God. When that finally happened, God was gracious to reveal that there's another step that I have to go, right? If we saw all that we needed to fix in our lives at step one, we'd never take step two. But God's gracious enough to say, let's work on this right now. Let's gather trusted friends around to experience the love and the grace and the mercy of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and we take a step and then we realize, wow, there's, there's some other things that I've got to work on. This has been true in my life, I think it's probably been true in yours, that God graciously walks us a step at a time, peeling back layers of the onion a little bit as we go. And thank God that salvation doesn't depend on us becoming perfect before we receive the gift of grace. But we cannot enjoy the benefits of salvation without growing to follow Jesus more closely. We receive salvation through Jesus and then we are given the Holy Spirit to empower us to live a righteous kind of life. And we all still have a ways to go. None of us are butterflies yet, right? We're still in that metamorphosis process. The Apostle Peter understood this really well. I mean, there are examples like Paul where people seem to change in just an instant of a moment. And all of us have seen people like that. We're like, what happened to you? Because I knew who you were and I know who you are now. We've seen serious transformation in in people's lives. But we also know people, and some of us ourselves, the transformation is going to have to take a lot of time and a lot of forgiveness and God coming back to us over and over again. And Peter was one of those individuals. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. You remember, he's the guy who walks on the water and he sinks. He, he fails Jesus in the final hours and denies even knowing him. Let's just say Peter's conversion wasn't instant. It happened over time. But Jesus did what? Jesus loved first. He, he stuck with Peter. Even in the moments that he needed him most, even in those failures, he restored him back to fellowship. He restored him back to relationship with God. And it's that Peter who experienced this transformation time and time again who writes a book called 2 Peter that I want to point us to right now. 2 Peter, I want to read from chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. This is later in his life, and that same Peter who experienced that love and transformation over and over again writes these words about that process. 2 Peter 1, 3. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is Peter talking. Same guy who sank in the waters and had to have Jesus save him is the same Peter who denies Jesus three times when he needs him most. This is the same Peter who has a vision in the book of Acts about receiving the Gentiles, and he speaks on their behalf, and then just a little while later, he refuses to eat at tables with them because he's afraid how people will receive his show of openness. Then Peter says, his divine power, this Jesus who showed me love over and over again, offered to us through Jesus, has given us everything we need for a godly life. In fact, he says we can participate in the divine nature. Now, how many of you this morning would like to raise your hand and say, I want some of that. I don't quite know what this divine nature is stuff, but if if Peter says you can participate in it, I want in on that. You can live a godly life. That's what he says. This is Peter. How many of you would like to tap into that kind of divine power? How many of you would like to live a godly life, to participate in the divine nature? I do. Peter says, it's possible. In fact, this is God's very intention for you to, is is to be transformed in this way. Now, how does that happen, Peter? How are we transformed? Do we just wait on the Spirit to do this work? He says, no, you've got a part in it as well. Listen as he he speaks on and writes on in verse 5. It says, for this reason, make every effort. It's not a bad thing to have effort in the discipleship process, right? Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge. Self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Again, each of us has a next step, right? Right? Some of us have experienced faith in Jesus, but how many of us admit we need more faith in Jesus to overcome the fears and the anxieties we currently have, right? Wondering, is Jesus still going to come through? And then goodness and and kindness and self-control. I think it's important to realize we think self-control is sometimes us doing it. No, self-control is a gift of the Spirit, right? It's in that list, love, joy, peace. Self-control is a gift. So we've got to ask for that gift for God to give it to us. Perseverance. Godliness. And I think it's really important. The end of these things that we're supposed to do end in the same place we started this morning. Mutual affection and love. You can't forget love as you move on in this journey of transformation. Peter assures us there is divine power to help us on this journey. But Peter also says you're to make every effort. You're to be a part of this transformation with God. We want to be the kind of church... <clears throat> that welcomes everybody into our church with a love-first mentality. And then, once we've built that relationship, we want to ask Him, now what do you want to do in your life and what would it look like for you to be more free, for you to experience more of this abundance that we're still seeking to learn ourselves? We want to celebrate those. By telling stories. And sometimes we're scared to tell stories because we think, well, I guess I'm taking the credit when this happens. Yeah, we make every effort, but this is divine power that's at work. And so when we tell stories of transformation, we're raising our hand and saying, this, you need to know about the God who's done this because I couldn't have done this in myself. Earlier I talked about the love Jesus showed for each person that he encountered. It was that love that caused people to be drawn to him. But it's also true that Jesus called each person he encountered to take steps in their transformation. He wanted them to experience a better kind of life, an abundant life. And in an effort to do that, he always challenged them to their next step. And so we talked earlier about Jesus, how he loved the woman who was caught in adultery. He protected her life. And when everybody runs off who had not loved her at all, you remember what he says to her at the end? He says, go now and leave your life of sin. He's gained that possibility of speaking into her life because his first move was to step beside her and protect her and to love her. And When you've loved someone, you have an opportunity to bring challenge in a way you can't when you've not shown love. Jesus accepted her where she was, but he refused to leave her there. And the same is true for you. God loves you just as you are. You're not going to get to the next mode of your transformation, and God's going to say, I just want you to know I love you a little more than I used to love you because you finally get that worked out. That's not how this works. God loves you just as you are. That will never change. And because God loves us, He doesn't want us to remain in bondage. He doesn't want us to remain tied to things that destroy our lives. Remember, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So anything that the thief is involved in, Jesus wants to free us from. God never wants us To remain in bondage to sin, God never wants us to remain living, uh, drinking the poison of unforgiveness. God never wants us to be held hostage by any kind of artificial success we think replaces God. God wants us to experience the abundant life, and the abundant life is never experienced while we're in chains to anything. And so, this is the beautiful tension of the bookend values that we want to hold on to as a church. We want to be a love first church that celebrates transformation. And this tension, this paradox, is something we hope to maintain in the days ahead. And there are a lot of churches that will collapse this tension. They'll really lean into one of these rather than both of these. And we really want to hold on to the both-and tension, the paradox of these two things. There are ter- churches that will collapse the tension completely on the side of love first and just take people where they are in the midst of their bondage and just hope that's enough. And there are other churches that will celebrate transformation without ever loving anyone in the process. We believe the life of Jesus stands in the middle of those two things. It seeks to love people where they are and champions them forward with the love and power of the Holy Spirit to take whatever it is that God is calling them to take in their next step toward abundance. We are committed to this paradox, to this tension. And these two values are going to shape future decisions that we make. We're going to rely on these values as we go to Scripture and as we discern our direction in the midst of the culture we're in, the questions that will arise. And Jesus showed us how to do this well. In the book of Mark, Mark chapter 10, there's a story about the rich young ruler. You may have heard this story before. And this is one of those stories where Jesus seems to maintain that tension really well. Mark 10, he's had this interaction with the rich young ruler. And in this story, uh, he has this conversation with this guy, and he's asking, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the commandments, you've studied the Ten Commandments, you'd follow all those things. And the guy says, well, teacher, you know, I've, I've done all those since I was a boy, which i supposed to be a pretty righteous guy, right? I couldn't even start out of the box with that. This is what the guy says in response. This is in 10.21, Mark 10.21. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Now, some of us want to get on to the red letters, and I want to stop right there because this means a lot. How you deliver the news of transformation to come makes all the difference. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Because that's where God always starts with people. And when you have love for people, all of a sudden some of the things that can sound so harsh and so awful can all of a sudden, you know you're not going to be rejected if you don't. You know you're going to be walked with all along the way. And Jesus looked at, I wish I could, even my voice could inflect how Jesus would, but I don't think I can this morning. But I want to read these words, but I want you to also not just hear the words, I want you to hear, the, I want you to see the look on Jesus' face. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus loved this guy first, and then he wanted him to take his next step. And we want the very same for every single one of you. Jesus accepts you as you are, but he refuses to leave you there. We want to be a church that loves people well, where they feel safe and they feel supported to share the reality of all the deep questions and longings and sin and and destruction in their relationships, all of those things. They don't have to take that somewhere else or act like everything's perfect when they come in here. We are not there yet. We're not a safe enough place that everyone knows that you'll be loved on the other side. But this is a value we're going to lean into more, church. We are committed to this. And yet all of us are in need of transformation also, right? Someone to ask us and to get in front of us and say, what, do you want more for your life? What is that more going to look like? Are there patterns of behavior that really aren't what lead to abundance? What, what might it look like for me to help walk alongside you in that way? We want to be a place where people are changed by the Spirit of God. Amen? And every Sunday, we ha- all have opportunities to show these values. Love first. You have an opportunity every Sunday that when people walk in the door... To greet them with a warm smile and let them know this is the safest place they could actually come in. To get to know their names if they're new to us. Some people have been here a decade and you're going to get their names wrong. This happened this morning. Can I tell you this? Okay. I was walking down the hallway and Joe Winklefleck is in the hallway and I called him Frank this morning, okay? And he didn't turn around. I was wondering why and I realized I got the wrong name. So, let me apologize to you, Frank. But, Joe. My point is, we need more mistakes being made and more grace being shown because what we're trying to do is engage people without being worried with the responses. So I hope next time I don't make that same mistake, Joe. I have steps of transformation God wants in my life, but He showed me love first. We have an opportunity to do that. And sometimes we don't engage as we should. We've got places to be and go. Let me just encourage you: love first. Make those mistakes with names and. And, and learn along the way too. But we've also got steps to take toward transformation. We've got things that God wants to do in our life. And, and I hope you're not here 10 years later looking just like you're looking right now. It's not that God won't love you, but there's more that God wants for you. And from his church, I hope we as a church look different. I don't know what it'll look like in 10 years. I pray it's different that we've been transformed and that others know. If you want a place where you're going to be loved and they're going to challenge you forward to whatever that next step is, that's the church to go to. Because they're in the business of abundance.
0: Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Connect with us on Instagram. You can find and follow us there at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.